Thanks for downloading a 3CR podcast. 3CR is an independent community radio station based in Melbourne, Australia. We need your financial support to keep going. Go to www.3cr.org.au for more information and to donate online. Now stay tuned for your 3CR podcast. Zinc coach, we're ready to play. It's all about World Cups. World Cup, World Cup, World Cup. World Cup fever. My name's John A. Tate. You just heard a very short moment of James Tate. Yes, that's me. That's me, everybody. <laughs> How you going? Just yeah. rolled out of bed today because my sleeping schedule is off the charts. So today will be a John Tate-focused radio show. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. You just push the right buttons. Button so, pushing is what I That's where I, I get a bit nervous. Uh, before we get started here on the Sporting Record, uh, we would like to acknowledge the Wurundjeri Woiwurrung people of the Kulin Nation as the traditional custodians of the land from which we broadcast this program and on which much of our local sport is played. We also acknowledge the incredible contribution of First Nations athletes to Australia's sporting life. We pay our respects to elders past and present. So today, John, we're going to start with the triumphant news. Yes. Australia has won the World Cup. Not the Soccer World Cup, might I say. The basketball one? No. The Netball World Ah. Cup. Australia has won their 12th Netball World Championship. Can't say I watched it. It was was on at 2am. Yeah. Now, for someone like me, (laughs) that's prime time viewing. (laughs) So I watched it, and it was phenomenal. Um, I I do the thing where it's hard for me to sit still and do one thing at a time. Oh, yeah. So I put my headphones on and I play some music yep. and I just watch the screen. Yeah. And I was listening to uh, uh, Funkadelic's Maggot Brain. Oh, yeah. And the guitar solos were, were whirring yeah. and going to incredible places while the Australians were dominating England. That's a classic funk album, that one. It was classic. And the, hey, talk about a classic performance by the Diamonds. The Diamonds smashed England. So it was neck and neck halfway through. You know, a couple goals separating them. Mm-hmm. But then in the third, starting in the third quarter, Australia started to pile on the goals and they won by over 10 in double digits, which is something that not, doesn't really happen in the World Cup. And who was the star? Um, well, the star, there were a few stars. Um, I like to highlight Brazil, as in the player with the last name Brazil. Two L's. It's <laughs> in her final game for the Diamonds. Uh-huh. And she played a pivotal part. Uh-huh. And gets the chocolates on the way out on a beautiful career. So just highlighting ah. Brazil. So they got chocolates because they won. Well, what did they get for winning? They did not even get chocolates, John. <laughs> they got nothing. No <laughs> prize money whatsoever for the Australian Diamonds. Glory, pride, glory and pride, inner and satisfaction. That's it. They will get a little bit of money. So we talked about this last week, but the the um, the netball international body, uh, according to their head is people rich finance poor (laughs) 
So a lot of a lot of great people in netball, not a lot of great money. So what they do is that all the profits from this World Cup that accrue to the body, Mm. they split evenly between all the participating nations. Mm -hmm. So that is fairer because countries like Jamaica, for example, that have to put a lot of effort to even raise the money to even get to the World Cup. Crowdfund. They did it for the Soccer World Cup. No doubt they would have had to do it for the Netball World Cup. They actually get some return and a fairly even return. Mm -hmm. It's never enough. And so these World Cups in Netball are heavily reliant on government sponsorship and business, corporate sponsorship. So, of course, those two bodies will take a lot of the profits as well because they put on it, they respect, they expect a return on investment. So, look, it's somewhat disappointing, but let's let's be frank. We've got a fantastic netballing country. We're probably the best netballing country in the world. 12 world championships. That's pretty darn good. The Kiwis came fourth. Kiwis came They'd fourth. They'd be pretty disappointed with that, I'd imagine. They would. Uh, Jamaica got the bronze medal. Good on Good on you, Jamaica. Jamaica's having a fantastic sporting year. <laughs> they are, aren't they? <laughs> They're making the knockout stages of the World Cup in yeah, the soccer. Yeah. They're coming bronze, third yeah. place in the Netball World Cup. It's fantastic. So, of course, England lost to the Diamonds. Uh, good on you, England. Helen Housby is one of the greatest netball players of all time for England, the Roses. I always think of Roses, Cadbury Chocolates, when I hear Roses. Yeah, but they didn't get the chocolates. They didn't get the chocolates, though. So there you go. Um, so that's the Netball World Cup. A bit of good news to start off the show, John. Yeah, that's right. There's more good news, especially for the South Sudanese community in Australia, and Melbourne in particular. Yes. So the Men's Basketball World Cup is starting to ramp up. It's, it's happening soon. Friday, the 25th of August, and it goes through to the 10th of September. So that's great news for people like us because we like riding the World Cup fever, and it's going to continue. It's uh, being held in Asia, but it's spread across three countries. Did you know that? That is a good idea. I it's a big thing at the moment, these huge sporting events. Obviously, one city can't look at, do them anymore. We've found that with the, the Commonwealth Games. So they've spread it across Philippines, Japan, and Indonesia. They're sharing the hosting honours. Fantastic. And so the reason uh, the South Sudanese community is very, very happy, they're the youngest nation in the world. And in their first attempt to qualify for the Men's Basketball World Cup, they're in. They did it. And that's phenomenal. So there are lots of scenes coming out of South Sudan and the diaspora around the world. Absolutely going crazy celebrating national triumph. How good for the South Sudanese community. There's 32 teams that qualify. Uh, South Sudan is ranked 62nd in the world. So that's a pretty good effort. Playing out of their skins. But they're not the lowest ranked team coming. It's uh, Cape Verde. Cape Verde. They're 64th ranked. I like to think I'm pretty good at geography. I think they're an African I I am not aware of where Cape Verde is on the map. There's two other debutants, Georgia and Latvia. I thought Latvia were pretty good. It's the first time they're in. Yes, well, Latvia do have a very good player. They have the 7'3", Kristaps Porzingis, who... He'll be playing? He, well, he should be playing. Wow. He is injury prone because yeah. if you're that tall, yeah. of course you get it. But he's a big fella and he can move like you wouldn't believe for a seven foot three. He can shoot from anywhere <laughs> on the court. So Latvia, good on you. Well Very. done. They're a pretty good country when it comes to basketball, especially with Chris Stupps. Now, men's basketball we don't normally cover because it gets fantastic coverage 
True. In the mainstream media, uh, for some unknown reason, I don't know why. Maybe it's because of all the white men. Well, it's an exciting game. It is an exciting game. Easy to film. Easy to film. Easy to market. I would say now is a better time to watch men's basketball internationally than ever before. Why is that? Because for the first time in a long, long time, Team USA is not good. I was a bit confused because I looked at the rankings and USA is second. I thought they were always the best. Well, they're not the best anymore, John. So a strange thing's happening in basketball where for, let's say... 50 years, even longer, because the sport did originate around the North American Mm -hmm, continent. mm -hmm. Americans have always been the best at basketball. They've always been the best. That's where the sport originated, and they've been better at it than anyone else. They're pretty humble about it, too. And they let us know. (laughs) So, you know, you just lift off off some of the great players of all time, and they're all American. Mm. Michael Jordan, LeBron James, um, Kobe Bryant, you know, uh, Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. All American. And so they've had the dream team and the redeemed team and all these teams that are amazing. But now a funny thing's happening that the best players in the men's basketball game around the world are not from America anymore. We've got Luka Doncic from Slovenia, whose whose dad played professional basketball in Europe. He grew up in basketball all his life. Started playing professional basketball when he was something like 16, which is crazy. You've got uh, probably the best player in the world, Nikola Jokic from Serbia. who is fantastic to watch because he is this big, lumpy, doughy uh, lump of a man, seven foot tall, can't jump, he's very slow, but he's unbelievably skilled. Wow. He can throw a pass anywhere within 50 metres without even looking. Crazy. And then you've got one of the other best players in the world, Giannis Antetokounmpo, who's who's Greek. So he was a refugee to Greece when he was young. Wow. Grew up there, you know, um, struggling for a living, selling tourists, you know, sunglasses and things to get by. <laughs> and had an incredible growth spurt when he was about 16. He was already very tall. He was yeah. already about 6'5", six, 6'6", six, six feet tall. And people were interested in him because he was incredibly athletic. But then he just kept growing. And now he's about 7 foot tall and he's one of the best players in the world because no one, when they're 7 foot tall, is meant to be able to run very fast. It's not meant to be agile, but he is. Wow. So you've got these incredible players, and just to list one more, you've got Joel Embiid from Cameroon, and he is another seven-foot-tall freak who can shoot from anywhere on the court. He can dribble around people, even though he's big and strong and heavy, and the Americans can't keep up. So that's not to say the American team is bad. They've always got great players. Hmm. But they've fielded a very young team this year, okay. a very inexperienced team. So we don't know what they could dish up. But the rest of the world are catching up. The rest of the world are catching up in basketball. Good. Spain are ranked number one. They won it last time, I believe, yeah, four Spain, years ago. Spain is always good. And, I mean, the thing about Spain is we don't know many of their players because a lot of the attention goes to the American leagues. Mm-hmm. And typically Spanish players prefer to play in Spain or across Europe. So they have all these brilliant players. And the other thing to note, the American game of basketball, it's in the National Basketball Association in America, Mm -hmm. has different rules Ah. to the European version. So just on surface level, the European game has a lot more contact. The referees are a lot more lenient when it comes to touching and fouling and things happening like that. So because of that simple difference... 
the games become very different. How you defend someone becomes mm-hmm. different. How you attack the opposition becomes different. And so there's a translation problem. International basketball tends to go with the European version of playing the game. So there's often a difficulty for American players to adjust. You know, they're getting more bumps and bruises and getting more contact where they are not used to it. So that's another thing that often holds American basketball back. Usually they're just too good and they just win anyway. Yeah. But this year the cracks are forming in the American nation. I've got one last question for you on this. We're in Group E, which is Germany, Finland, Australia and Japan. Yes. Is that the group of death? Uh, Far from it. We should smash that group. Because <laughs> we normally end up in the group of death. Yes, we normally do. And this year, it's a bit different. You know, Japan is a, is a fairly good nation, but they don't have any superstars. Basketball is kind of sport. Because there's only five people on the court at once, if you have one superstar, you're a really good team. If you have two superstars, you're near unbeatable. So superstars, like great, unbelievably mm, good mm, player, mm, top mm, 10 in the world. Mm. And so, like, having an incredibly good player often makes the world of difference. So those countries do not have any of those god-tier upper echelon players. Okay, thanks for filling us in there, James. That's my basketball knowledge. Uh, After the break, uh, we've got former Socceroo, Jason Polak. We'll get him on the line, and he can fill us in on uh, all things soccer, especially the World Cup, from an expert's point of view. He is our football correspondent. We're knowledgeable. But we wouldn't call ourselves experts on the world yes, game. he is our football correspondent. So just uh, while we're linking Jason up, we're going to play you a bit of music. We'll go to a few ads first. Then you're going to hear a lovely bit of piano coming in. And this is not by any pianist who is known for being a pianist. It's actually by Formula One driver Charles Leclerc, who is Monegasque from Monaco. And he's just released his own song on piano. So we're going to go to a few drop breaks then we're going to get to MIA23 in brackets, 1 2, close bracket, by Charles Leclerc. But first, a few announcements. Trans Family is a not for profit organization providing a peer support group for loved ones, including parents, siblings, extended family, and friends of a trans and gender diverse person. Trans Family runs discussion groups in person and online. We offer a safe space to share your experiences, ask any questions regarding your situation, and provide peer support. We are especially keen to hear from loved ones in regional and rural Victoria. Donations to Trans Family are tax deductible. For more information, visit transfamily.org.au or look for us on Facebook. Trans Family is a 3CR supporter. It's coming up to Science Week again, and that can only mean one thing. Yes, it's the Lost in Science Trivia Night. Monday the 14th of August, 7pm at the Carring Bush Hotel in Abbotsford. Come early for dinner, bring a team, win prizes, show off your brains, and raise money for science on the radio. Send an email to book your table to lostinsci at gmail.com. That's L-O-S-T-I-N-S-C-I at gmail.com 
and we will sort you out for tickets. Lost in Science Trivia Night, Monday the 14th of August. Remember to tune in each Thursday at 8.30am for all your sciencey goodness. Isn't this absolutely gorgeous? That is Formula One driver Charles Leclerc on the piano. Who would have thought? thought? Say that again, Johnny. Who would have thought? Who would have thought, indeed. You know, people who are good at everything, don't they give you the shits? Yeah. He's a tall poppy, and we want to cut him down. (laughs) So anyway, we're going to be joined by our Socceroos correspondent now, Jason Polak. You online, Jason? James, how are you? You're coming through loud and clear. I'm good. How are you doing? I'm good. I'm good. Yes. Enjoying the World Cup. Oh, yeah. At the moment. So, I'm glad you're enjoying it. Um, just some general observations and impressions from you? Um, well, like, even before the World Cup, I guess I, I personally quite, kind of liked watching the, the um, Matildas play and just the women's soccer in general. I kind of... Um, find it a more pure form of the game in some ways it, you know I don't know what it is they play it yeah, more purely and it seems to be very attacking a lot of passing a lot of chances at goal end to end sort of stuff so I've quite liked it and, and it's definitely like that in the World Cup as well it's been brilliant to watch and I think everyone would agree with that yeah it's caught everyone by storm I, I don't know I would have liked to have seen more games because a lot of them are behind the paywall unfortunately yeah, they are. Yeah, too. I haven't seen a lot of the other teams. I've seen bits and pieces of them. Um, and obviously, we, I saw. I went to watch the France game live when it was in Melbourne, the friendly game before the oh, yeah. kicked off. So, so that was enjoyable. Yeah, so it gives us an idea of what we're facing, I guess. Now everyone's talking Sam Kerr, and we've tried to avoid it because it's a it's a team game. It's not all about Sam. But the fact yeah. is, she's looks like she's ready to come back in. Yep. If you were the coach, so we're coming up to to quarterfinals now. If you were the coach, you'd have in mind that uh, the game could go to extra time, another 30 minutes, and then it could go to penalties. How would you use Sam Kerr? I would, um, personally, um, I, like, I know there's been two skills of thought. There's some um, people like um, Ian Wright and Craig Foster have said, I'd play her if she's fifth player from the start. Um, I've heard other people say that maybe um, that you shouldn't. I personally think... I probably, if I was coach, I probably would, and I, and I knew that there was a fitness question on her and she may not last 90 minutes. I let would alone maybe 120. Hold, and let alone 120. I'd hold it back because I think, for a couple of reasons, I think the balance of the team is really good at the moment. So I think you have to give that balance a chance to to work again against France. 
right? So yep. what I would do, and you've got you've got a, quite a few attacking weapons, starting even without Sam on the path. You've got Mary Fowler, you've got um, Hayley Rezzo, and you've got Caitlin Ford on the left that can yeah. all score goals regularly. That's three good uh, goal scoring options, right? Why not keep one up your sleeve for later? Um, because one of the, like some of those three options may tire over that period. Mm-hmm. It'd be kind of good, I think, if you actually kept one up your sleeve, maybe for the second half, or if it wasn't working even earlier, you know what I mean? If it was yeah. midway through the first half and it wasn't working, then you bring Sam on. She'd be raring to go. How good would she be against tired legs, I'd say? You know, when she's fresh and, and all the other legs are tired, mm. she would be very, very dangerous. So that would give her... It also then either in a bit... You know, without having to give her a full 90 to 120 minutes, it either into a longer period of play. So... I personally would hold it back and then just see how the first half goes. Okay, that's yeah. what I was wanting to know. Interesting. Sam yeah. Kerr, the ace in the hole. <laughs> yeah, what, a, what an ace to have. <laughs> now, I've got a technical question for you. So the commentary has been really good from, from all of them, really. We, we've questioned why Bruce... Uh, what's his name? Get, McElvaney. Bruce McElvaney gets rolled in. But apart from that, I've felt them... Excellent. Uh, there's an English commentator, Izzy Chamberlain. She's been great. Former yeah, player. Yeah, she has. I, yeah, yeah. I, I, I definitely agree with everything she sort of said. You know, she's very, they're very insightful. They know a lot. You know, they know the game really well. So, but yeah, definitely. Is, I've got one criticism. Bruce, okay. Yeah. Go on, you can finish what you were yeah. saying if you like. Oh, no, 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 no. I think Bruce is there because he, he's just a good, you know, front man to have. I think, you know, that the others can bounce off and keep it all flowing. I, I guess he's so. on the payroll. Get him in. <laughs> Wheel him in. He's not. He's not going to be here forever. Let's get as much Bruce as we can. Mel McLaughlin can that's handle not... it herself. But anyway, that's a <laughs> minor, minor issue. But sometimes they they get a bit too technical for people like me who love the game but really don't understand some of the uh, history of it. So they often talk about. You know, so and so playing as a typical number six. I don't know what that means. Or you know, so and so is a nine or a ten. And then they talk about yeah. someone's playing. I think they were talking about Emily Van Egmont. She's playing as a false nine. <laughs> well, what, what does all that so, mean? Uh, well, normally, so traditionally, I guess there were numbers went with not. You know, most of the time numbers went with position. So number nine. Mean traditionally mean you're centre forward, right? Like you're in the middle of the of the attack up front. Yep. You're the main attacker. So that, when they say it's a false like what they're actually saying is Emily's playing as a, a forward. You know, like she's the key forward in the middle of the park, sort of thing. You know. Okay. The key attacker. And when they say false, like, I guess they mean that she's not really playing that role as an out and out striker. She's sort of drifting around a bit because she's really really a midfielder. She's not really an attack. You know, that's not her. I remember position, Mark Viduka. Big, strong guy. Did he play as a traditional number nine? Just that big guy in the middle yeah, of the forward line? Yeah, he did. He did. Your traditional number nine would be a big, you know, if you think back to the English days in England, it would be a, a big target person. You could really knock it into their feet. They'd hold it up. Right. And they'd run. people would run off him, and they would be great in the box, you know, get in the air and that sort of thing. So, yeah, that would be your, yeah, he would All be right. a traditional number nine. So what's yeah. a number 10? Number 10 would be your... Um, it would play slightly behind. That would be like your Diego Maradonas and your Messi's, you know what I mean, where they could, they roam around a little bit more. And they're, they're goal scorers, they're attacking weapons, but they're, you know, they're, they're generally your best player. Like, your best, your best attacking option would normally be a number 10, you know, so... So when the Matildas, who's the yeah, number 10? <laughs> well, I'd say it'd have to be really... Um, well, Mary Fowler, I'd say, right, ah, would be your number 10. Okay, 
Okay. She can score goals. She's a creative, you know, she gets gets in the box. She roams about a bit. So I would say Mary Fowler would be... And do they tend to have those numbers on their back, 9 and 10? Not anymore, no. People wear the numbers. They they sort of, you know, it's changed now where people wear the numbers um, they like or, you know, they're... They have meaning to them almost. So uh, yeah, I think Sam Kerr's number from... twenty, but that's because uh, I think her brother was number twenty for the Eagles. Yeah, 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 exactly. So it, it doesn't fly like that. But that's what they mean when they talk about they go back to those old numbering sort of systems, and which is hard, you know, like to sort of if, if, like you said, if you're not involved in the game and you don't know the history, yeah. and even I, even I struggle to <laughs> what what that means. But um, for all the numbers, but um, yeah. So they... normally, you know, you your two and three would be your right and left back. That sort of thing. Okay, so what's the number you know, six? Because I talk about that I a think, lot. I think that was. I think from memory that was the defensive midfielder, maybe. Yeah. The one that sits back and distributes. I okay. think that would be your, you know, your, your, your glory um, type player. Okay. Yeah, yeah. And in your so, soccer days, what 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 position did you play? What were you? Um, I was. My natural position was probably centre of midfield. Uh-huh. So I would be. Um, in that yeah, terminology, be, you were seven or something. I was probably six, six, <laughs> I was probably eight. I was probably eight. I was between okay. a six and a, and a ten. I, I like to go forward, but I also, you know, would, would distribute. But I wouldn't, you wouldn't call me a defensive midfielder. Like, I wouldn't have been, you know, like, Paul Wade was probably more a better example of a better defensive midfielder. But kind of played, you know, like, yeah, the, the centre midfielder person would go, he would go forward and backwards, and he'd do sort of both sort of roles, yeah. So, but you, you might have two in there, and you know they balance it out. But yeah, it wasn't that. It's not always that clearly cut. Depends on your, you know, your playing personnel. And if you do have, don't have a true number ten or a true number six, you might get two players that balance themselves, that balance each other out a little bit, and do both jobs to a degree. Okay, does that make sense? Oh yeah, that does. I'll be. I was watching the telecast, and I thought I've got to ask Jason that because I got no idea what they're talking about. But having um, said that, the game changes all the time. So yeah. Well, that's <laughs> right. I know, I know. Sometimes um, I don't even, um, I don't even uh, recognise it. <laughs> so I who? Think, so I do with the women. We don't normally women, do footy tips, but have you got a tip? Uh, there's a few teams that are undefeated, like Japan or uh, I don't know, Eng- I don't know Spain. Netherlands, right. Netherlands. Hey? Yeah, Netherlands are going pretty well. Holland are going pretty well as well. Yeah. Um, the Netherlands. Yeah, I think well, France is the highest rated team, right? So hopefully that's going to be a really tough game. Mm. Obviously. I watched a bit of the, the last game they played against. Um, who was it they knocked off? Uh, who was the team they knocked off again? Morocco. Off. Morocco, yeah. And they looked sharp. They looked really sharp. Yeah. And, and dangerous. Yeah, they looked very dangerous. But but having said that, uh, you know, Morocco is not Australia. So whether so we they should do that against us. We shouldn't take any notice of that uh, friendly game form. Was that just, you know... Well, I think, I think, yeah. Well, I hope not. Anyway, so, but we now, I think we get a better idea of the game we played, the friendly game we played in. We know it's going to be a very, very close game. They're going to be dangerous. They can create chances. We can create chances. It's a, you know, it's a matter of who who defends better, I guess, as well. So Beautiful. I think, I think they're going to be dangerous. But I, I, but yeah, obviously Spain and Netherlands on the other side are also going to be quite dangerous. You know, Netherlands, I think, drew with the US as well. So you know. They're obviously a decent side. So. Yeah. Well, it's only good sides left at the moment. So thank you for coming <laughs> on, Jason. Right. Uh, That's you, right. Pleasure. You've been a font of insight, which is fantastic. We need that here in 3CR. We're not That's soccer good. people. Hopefully I, hopefully I haven't confused you more. No, no, no. <laughs> We're enlightened. So thanks for coming on, Jason. I hope you have a good week and go the, go the Matildas. See you, Jason. Thanks, thank James. you. Thanks, John.
See you later. Bye. That was our soccer correspondent, Jason Polak, former Socceroo. How That's good? Right. Back in March, uh, we did a full interview with Jason in, in here. And uh, so if anyone wants to listen to that, it's, uh, it's, uh, we turned it into a podcast. So if you go to our, our, web, our page on the 3CR website That's the and one. scroll down, it was quite early in our podcasting history, but it's there. Jason Polak, former Socceroo. Uh, a long interview, 30 minutes. Yes, so to take us out, we're going to play a beautiful song that not many people know about, about sports nutrition. Yes. It's called Vitamin by Kraftwerk. <laughs> oh, we love Kraftwerk. We love Kraftwerk and their sports-inspired songs, and this is off their album Tour de France. <laughs> so I'll put this on. It's beautiful. And you'll notice that they're compelling us to eat the right uh, nutrients and yes. all that. Um, by just listing off the different vitamins and carbohydrates and proteins that you can eat. Well, 3CR, we're right into that sort of stuff. Yes. So there it is. So uh, if you want to, it's a big weekend of sport, as always, John. The winter months are full of sport. So just uh, before we get out, if you want to watch the World Cup, it'll all be on Channel 7 because we're, we're at the big days now. Good. So tomorrow, Spain's playing Netherlands. At 11 a.m., so you know you can wake up, have a coffee, watch that. Don't bother going to work. And then tomorrow we've got Japan and Sweden at 5:30 p.m. And then on Saturday we've got the two big games: Australia v France at 5 p.m. and England v Colombia at 8:30. So there you go. Looking forward to it. See you next week. This has been the Sporting Record on 8:55 a.m. 3CR. This has been James. That has been John. And we'll catch you next week to talk about more sports and the politics of it all. Have a good one.